don't answer this out loud, but just think about the question. Can you believe in God and science at the same time? So-called new atheists like Richard Dawkins and scientific materials like Neil deGrasse Tyson say no. In their minds, more science means less God. This concept was first proposed about a hundred years ago by a guy named John William Draper. Draper, who was fascinated with what was at the time the new concept of Darwinism, said this, Religion and science are absolutely incompatible. Mankind must make its choice. It cannot have both. Do we have to choose between God and science? The founders of modern, modern science didn't think so. Here's something to think about. Nearly every founder of the scientific revolution was a Christian. And I say nearly all because I haven't researched the exhaustive list, but everyone that I found and researched was, in fact, a believer. And here are some of the key figures in the scientific revolution. Sir Francis Bacon, the guy who discovered bacon. <laughs> I love science. <laughs> he actually is credited with developing the scientific method, the idea that science should be based on observation and verification rather than philosophical assumptions. The Greeks believed that science should be governed by philosophy. And philosophically speaking, the most perfect shape was a circle, so the Greeks assumed that all the planets' orbits would be perfect circles. But Sir Francis Bacon said, no, no, we should develop, hypothesize, and test to find out the truth. And this is his famous quote, a little science estranges a man from God, a lot of science brings him back. So Francis Bacon said that, and you're going to see a common theme through some of these giants of science. So Francis Bacon also said, a man finds himself seven years older the day after his marriage. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Incorrect. Next we have, you, know, you should look up Sir Francis Bacon quotes. He had a lot to say about a lot of stuff, but it was pretty good. Johann Kepler, the founder of modern astronomy, he discovered the laws of planetary motion. And this was what Johann Kepler said. He said, science is the process of thanking God's thoughts after him. Isn't that amazing? Kepler also said this, the wisdom of the Lord is infinite as are also his glory and his power. Ye heavens, sing his praises. Sun, moon, and planets glorify him in your ineffable language. Praise him, celestial harmonies, and all ye who can comprehend them. And thou, my soul, praise thy creator. It is by him and in him that all exists. This is the man who discovered the laws of planetary motion. Then we have one of my favorites, Blaise Pascal. He's considered one of the greatest early philosophers, but he's also considered the father of the science of hydrostatics. Pascal helped develop calculus and the theory of probability, and he also invented the barometer. He's a pretty smart guy. This is what Blaise Pascal said. He said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus. In philosophy, he's famous for something called Pascal's Wager. 
And essentially, he said, if I wager that God is real and I'm right, I've gained everything. If I'm wrong, I've lost nothing. If you wager that God is not real and you're wrong, you've lost everything. Who else do we have? Sir Isaac Newton. Even at the big Newton. Sir Isaac Newton discovered the law of gravity and the three laws of motion. He also is credited with inventing modern calculus and the first refracting telescope. Isaac Newton said this, Gravity explains the motions of the planets, but it cannot explain who set the planets in motion. A man of science and a man of faith. Newton also said this, All of my discoveries have been made in answer to prayer. Louis Pasteur is considered to be the father of microbiology and immunology. He invented vaccines for rabies and anthrax and also invented the process of pasteurization. This is what he said of science. He said, the more I study nature, the more I stand amazed at the work of the Creator. Science brings men nearer to God. Isn't that amazing? This man's research has literally saved billions of lives throughout the years, and he was known by all to pray in his laboratory while he worked. Pasteur famously disproved Darwin's theory of spontaneous generation, and that was one of the reasons why a lot of people did not accept Darwinism during Darwin's lifetime. Pasteur was a man of science and a man of faith. And the list goes on and on. I could give you quotes from so many others. Robert Boyle, Michael Faraday, Gregor Mendel, Samuel Morris, Lord Kelvin, Charles Towns, Florence Nightingale, George Washington Carver, Ernest Walton, all Christian men and women who made great contributions to modern science and were men and women of deep faith. Do you know that many of NASA's most famous astronauts were Christians? Their study of science did not turn them away from the faith. It made their faith stronger. Think about the famous Apollo 8 mission. Bill Anders, Jim Lovell, and Frank Borman were the first human beings to travel to the moon. And during the mission, they each took turns reading the creation story from the book of Genesis, broadcasting back to the earth to nearly a billion people across 64 nations. On July 20, 1969, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong made history as the first men to walk on the moon. But something else historic happened just moments before that one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Just before they exited the lunar module, the two astronauts took communion together. The first time mankind shared a meal on the moon was in honor of the one who made the earth, the moon, and the stars. Were these men of science? You better believe it. Were they men of faith? Of course they were. And that's the title of the message today. It's not either or. You don't have to give up one to pursue the other. I believe in God and I believe in science because science is the study of God's creative power. Like Johann Kepler said, science is thinking God's thoughts after him. And contrary to speculation, many modern scientists today are Christians. Dr. Raymond V. Demadian, the man who invented the MRI, 
The man who was inducted into the Inventors Hall of Fame alongside Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham, and the Wright brothers. I think he's a pretty smart guy, don't you? Dr. Domanian said this, the highest purpose a man can find for his life is to serve the will of God. Sociologist Elaine Upland at Rice University, along with the American Association for the Advancement of Science, conducted a survey of American scientists. They found that 24.4% identified as atheists and 61% identified as Christians. I think our ideas about science might be wrong. What do you think? You don't have to check your brains at the door to become a Christian. Our faith is a reasonable faith. Many of the leading scientists today are guided by their faith in Jesus Christ. Sir Anthony Flew, perhaps the leading atheist of the last half of the last century, frequently said this, we must follow the evidence to its logical conclusion. He would often say this when debating Christians on the public stage. And when the Human Genome Project published its study of DNA in 2001, Anthony Flew, the world's leading atheist at the time, said this, the evidence is overwhelming. There must be a God. The head of the Human Genome Project, Dr. Francis Collins, had been an atheist going into the project, but as he studied the complexities of DNA, he rejected atheism and became a follower of Jesus Christ. The Christian faith is a reasonable faith. We don't reject science. Science is a study of God's creation. And to quote Sir Francis Bacon, God gives us two books to study, the book of Scripture and the book of nature. He reveals Himself to the world He created. Romans 1 and 20 says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So that people are without excuse. God's glory is so clear in all of creation, He took away our excuse not to believe in His existence. Because as we study the universe, we're studying God's work. So let's talk God and science. Today I'm going to talk astrophysics, and then next week we're going to talk about biology. Let's start talking about theorems. How many of you remember something called the Pythagorean theorem? Yeah, a few of you. A squared plus B squared equals? You got it. <laughs> when I was in eighth grade, I said, man, I will never use this stuff when I get out of school. Now I use it all the time in carpentry. Uh, jokes on me. But when it comes to, to understanding things, it's in math, there are theorems that help break things down into less complex equations. And when it comes to understanding the universe, physicists use complex math called space-time theorems. That's a, I brought one with me today if you want to read it after service this morning. It's, it's riveting. It's right to sleep. Unless you really love math and calculus, and you'll enjoy it. But space-time theorems have been used to discover many amazing things. Not only did they discover, but they confirm ideas about the universe, including the fact that the universe is constantly expanding. The latest space-time theorem, called the Borg-Guth-Belenkin theorem, says this in its conclusion. 
It says, any universe that expands on average, which our universe does, has a space-time beginning implying a causal agent outside space and time to create space-time energy and matter. That's saying a lot right there. And I highlighted causal agent because causal agent, this concept is creating quite a stir in the scientific community right now. It is really stirring things up. Okay, science is compelling people who used to call themselves atheists to now say, yes, scientifically speaking, I acknowledge that there is an agent outside of time and space that had to have created the universe. That's a big change. Atheism is built on the concept that the universe is eternal, and if the universe has always existed, there's no need for a creator of said universe. And this is what Alexander Vilenkin said, one of the authors of this latest space-time theorem. He said this, With the proof now in place, cosmologists can no longer hide behind the possibility of a past eternal universe. There is no escape. They have to face the problem of a cosmic beginning. Why is that a problem? Because it goes against everything they believe. The evidence for a causal agent has pushed the scientific community away from atheism into something called deism. Deism is the belief that a transcendent power created the universe. By the way, it's deism, not atheism, that is the dominant philosophy in the scientific community today. Now, does that mean that all the scientists have thrown off their lab coats and put on their church clothes? <laughs> no, because deism says that God created the universe but went no further. It's the idea that God set the universe in motion and walked away. To deists, God is not present, He is not personal, not intelligent, and not knowable. So it's amazing that the scientific community, the consensus has gone from atheism to deism because scientists say, no, the universe had a starting point and something outside of time and space created the universe. But how do you go from deism to theism? How do you go from an unknowable God to a personal, present God? One way is through science. How many have ever heard the term dark energy? Anybody? <laughs> and I'm not talking about the dark side of the force. I'm talking about actual science. Dark energy makes up 70% of the universe, but it was only discovered 20 years ago. The balance of dark energy controls the expansion of the universe, and the universe is expanding more and more Rapidly. In fact, the universe is expanding faster in 2022 than it was in 2021, and everything in the universe is expanding with it. And I know what you're thinking. How much of my waistline is being expanded by dark energy? <laughs> it's less than one quadrillionth of a centimeter, so if you're expanding more than that, that's on you, boo. But here's why this matters. In order to get stars and planets 
And in order for life to exist, dark energy has to be fine-tuned. It has to be absolutely perfect in its balance. If dark energy is too strong, the universe expands too fast, and you don't get stars and planets and elements, and there's no chance of life. If dark energy is too weak, the universe expands too slowly, and all the stars quickly become black holes and neutron stars. Definitely no life. According to the laws of physics, dark energy has to be extremely fine-tuned for the universe to work and life to exist. But the question is, how fine-tuned does it have to be? It has to be fine-tuned on a level that surpasses the best human design by a factor of 10 to the 96th power. That is a number that we cannot even fathom in our tiny human brains. Okay? The most precise instrument ever made by mankind is something called the Gravity Wave Telescope. You may know it as the LIGO device if you do a lot of reading in science, but there's, there's one part of it on, um, in Washington State, one part in Louisiana, and a third part that's being built in Italy. And this amazing telescope picks up gravity waves. And it's so precise that over a distance of four kilometers, it can detect a subtle change in distance that is less than one-tenth the width of a proton. You hear me? Over these long tunnels, it can detect a difference in gravity less than one-tenth the width of a proton. It is incredibly precise. It is the greatest scientific achievement of modern mankind. But in order for life to exist in the universe, dark energy, the cosmic constant, has to be fine-tuned a trillion, 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 trillion times more precisely than this gravity wave telescope. Otherwise, there would be no planets, there would be no stars, there would be no periodic table of the elements, and there would certainly be no life. That's not a theistic creator that set the universe in motion and walked away. That is a theistic God. That is a God who is intelligent, who is present, who is actively sustaining the universe that we're living in. I brought a research paper with me called The Disturbing Implications of a Cosmological Content. Constant. This was right after dark energy was discovered. It's another word for it is a cosmological constant. And this was written by three uh, physicists from the University of Stanford, Stanford University. And all three of them happened to be atheists. And after publishing the paper, they were interviewed by another atheist physicist, Dr. Philip Ball, who is the editor of the British, British journal Nature, which is the most prestigious scientific journal in the world. And during the interview, the team said to him, erasing the cosmos as we think is an arranged, it is arranged would have required a miracle. Interesting statement coming from a team of atheists. They concluded in the interview and in their research paper that the implications of dark energy are so disturbing and point so strongly to a divine creator and sustainer that they could not accept that it was real. 
Within nine months of the article being published, there were nine separate experiments and studies released confirming not only is dark energy real, but is the dominant component of the universe. And now there are more than 25 studies proving its existence. The universe was created and is being sustained by its creator. Atheism can't explain it. Deism can't explain it. There has to be divine design at play. So God does exist. Science says the universe was created by an agent. And God is personal. He has to be because the universe has been too fine-tuned for life to exist. But how do we know that this is the God of the Bible? I think about Dr. Hugh Ross. Dr. Ross is a brilliant astrophysicist, and I've actually followed him for many, many years. He has a Ph.D. in astronomy from the University of Toronto, and he spent years as a senior research fellow at Caltech working with people like Stephen Hawking. I think he's a pretty smart guy. He's a brilliant mind in the field of astrophysics, and you can learn all about him at reasons.org is his website. But he did not grow up in a believing home. In fact, he grew up in a poor immigrant community surrounded by people of many different world religions. In his studies of astronomy, he began to see more and more that the universe was too organized to have happened by chance. And astronomy led him to Jesus. You hear me, friends? Astronomy led the man to Jesus. And I don't mean he followed the start of Bethlehem. This is his story. He took his knowledge of science and he began to study all the holy, bit, holy books of all the other major world religions. He read the Quran. He studied the ancient Buddhist commentaries. He read the Hindu Vedas. He read the Zoroastrian texts. Then he finally got to the Bible. And he discovered that the Bible was quite different from all the other writings. Again, he was an atheist. He didn't grow up in a believing home. Most of his friends were Buddhists, and he never even had a conversation with a Christian. In his own reading, he discovered that the Bible was the only ancient text that accurately described the universe. These are the facts he discovered in the Bible that led him and many, many others to faith in Jesus. Number one, the universe had a beginning. This is the most obvious point because it's in the very first verse of the Bible. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Eastern religions describe the universe as eternal or having multiple beginnings, but not the Bible. Science now understands what the Bible has said for thousands of years. In an instant, all of time, space, matter, and energy came into existence. In terms of modern science, this was first observed by a friend of Albert Einstein, a man named George Lemaitre. Or if you wear a monocle, when you read, it's George Lemaitre. Lemaitre <laughs> was a Belgian scientist and a devout Christian. And based on Einstein's theory of relativity, along with Hubble's research, Lemaitre developed a theory that the universe could be traced scientifically back to a single point where it came 
into existence. In a letter, he first called his theory Fiat Lux, which is Latin for let there be light. It was more commonly known as a day without yesterday. And Einstein told him, he said, this is the most beautiful and satisfactory explanation of creation to which I have ever listened. Sir Fred Hoyle, an atheist and a fierce skeptic of Christianity, felt that the Matrix theory was too similar to the book of Genesis, so he gave it a derogatory name. He called it the Big Bang Theory. Don't you say you didn't know, did I? About the Matrix. <laughs> By the way, how does an astrophysicist like her hair done? The Big Bang. <laughs> Thank you, I'll be here all week. But science says that there was a singular start to everything that exists. The beginning of the universe, the start of space, and the beginning of time. Astrophysicist Robert Destro, a self-described agnostic, stated, The seed of everything that has happened in the universe was planted in that first instant. Steven Weinberg, the Nobel laureate in physics, said that at the moment of this explosion, the universe was filled with light. Science can't explain it yet for thousands and thousands of thousands of years. The event has been recorded in the Bible. Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light. The Bible stands out from the rest. From the beginning, it said what modern science has just now confirmed. Even in ancient times, the Bible was the only one that was right. Ancient Egyptians believed that the earth was held up by five pillars. The Greeks believed that Atlas held the world on his shoulders. The Hindus believed that the earth was held up by a giant elephant. But what did the elephant stand on? A giant sea turtle who was riding on a giant serpent. <laughs> but what does the Bible say? Job 26.7, God stretches the northern, northern sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. The Bible is remarkably different. And by the way, Job is the first book of the Bible to be written down. The oldest book of the Bible was right from the beginning. The Bible tells us, one, the universe had a beginning. Two, the universe is expanding. The same physics that tells us the universe had a beginning also tells us that the universe is expanding. Modern telescopes confirm that our universe is constantly growing, yet five different authors in the Bible said the same thing thousands of years ago. Isaiah 44, 24, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, He who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens. It's found in Job, in Isaiah, in Zechariah, in Psalm and in Jeremiah, the Bible stands alone. By the way, that's Jeremiah 51.15. I did a little spell check last night. The Bible stands alone. The Bible says the universe had a beginning, that the universe is expanding. Three, the Bible says that the universe is governed by laws. There are a surprising number of rules in our universe that never change. The speed of light is always the same. Gravity is always the same. The Earth's 365-day, 5-hour, 45-minute, and 45.51-second trip around the sun is accurate within a thousandth of a second. 
How is it that we can identify laws of nature that never change? Why is the universe so orderly and reliable? Richard Feynman, a Nobel Prize winner for quantum electrodynamics, said this, Why is nature... Why nature is mathematical is a mystery. The fact that there are any rules at all is a miracle. Jeremiah 33, 25, but this is what's, what the Lord says, I would no more reject my people than I would change my laws that govern night and day, earth and sky. Only the Bible talks like that. Hebrews 1, verse 3 says that He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He, talking about Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of His power. There is a God. He is personal and He is present. And the Bible tells us who He is. Number four, the Bible tells us that God exists outside of time and space. According to astrophysics, according to science, the universe was created by a causal agent transcendent of time, space, energy, and matter. And to somebody who knows the Bible, that sounds all too familiar, doesn't it? Psalms 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Jeremiah 23, 24. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens? And the earth, says the Lord. Isaiah 57, 15, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. The Bible says that God inhabits eternity. He's not bound by time. Amen. Psalm 90 verse 4, a thousand years in your sight are just like a day or like a day that's just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Hebrews 11, 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. He is the unseen force that brought the universe into existence. 2 Timothy 1, 9, I love this. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of His own purpose in grace. The grace that was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Not only did God exist before time, but He knew you, and He loved you, and He set His redemption plan in motion before He even created the universe. God's love for you is older than everything that exists. The God of the universe knows you and He loves you and He set this moment in motion before the beginning of time. We talked about the Big Bang. Let me talk about the Big Lie. Romans one twenty five says this. He says that they exchanged the truth for a lie. Worshipping creation rather than the Creator. That's where our culture is Day. We have exchanged the truth of God's creation, of God's mercy, of God's love, of God's way of life. We've exchanged that for the lie that creation is God. That creation is all that exists. But I came to tell you the truth today. 
that God is real. He created this world. He created your life. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. He loves you. He cares for you. And He has good plans for your life. Before you were born, before the stars were hung in the heavens, before the universe was made, God prepared a plan for you. The Bible says that Jesus was the Lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. God's redemption story is the most ancient story and the most relevant story to your life and mine. Jesus came and lived a sinless life. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And to prove it all to all the world and to all eternity that the sacrifice was sufficient, God raised Him from the dead. And Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father forever. And He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And through faith in Jesus Christ, you can be set free. You can be adopted into the family of Almighty God, the one who created the stars in the sky, the creator of all things. You think the universe is a miracle? Let me tell you, the greatest miracle of all is eternal life through Jesus Christ. God can take you and all your faults and all your failures and transform you into something beautiful. He can cleanse you, set you free, make you brand new, and give you a new beginning today. Put your faith in Jesus. He changes everything. Will you close your eyes for just a moment as we pray? If you're here this morning or listening right now, maybe you've been wrestling with this whole issue of God and science. Is God real? Does God exist? Listen, science is the study of the majesty and the glory of God. God loves you. He wants you to know Him. He wants to have a relationship with you. If God created all things in this universe, there's nothing He can't do in your life. He can make you brand new. He can recreate your life. He can restore you and heal you and give you a new beginning if you'll just trust Him this morning. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus, or maybe you've wandered from the faith, God is calling you home today. Put your trust in Him and you'll never be the same. I want to lead you in a simple prayer to help you start your journey of faith in God. Will you pray with me, Jesus? Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I believe in you. You are the creator of all things. You made the universe. You sustain the universe. Sustain my life. Be my God. Be my King. And Jesus, with your help, I'll live for you. I'll follow you the rest of my life. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, church. Can we stand up and just celebrate new life this morning? I want to ask the praise and worship team if you guys will come. And I ask my wife to come and lead us in prayer this morning.